What up, bros? What up, bros? I literally thought your mic went out. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Brown Meets World. Welcome to Brown Meets World. We're doing a little extra credit episode, I guess you could say. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, I like that. Because there has been a little bit of buzz in the Boy Meets World community about the thing TC and I love to discuss racism. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because it there seems to be an entire journey that took place in this racism, and I feel like it deserves a conversation. Completely. Um, that's why I wanted to do this little standalone. I wanted to address it sooner rather than later. And I just thought it brought up very interesting things, not only with what happened, but how people are talking about it. And I don't know about you, but like, because we do this podcast, I got so many people send me the article. And of course, we were having discussions about how they felt about it. So I thought it was worth sharing with our our listeners. Bruh, how about this? How about you give them a... Uh, why don't you tell them about it? About the... The news, not so much the episode, but we want the the news, not the weather, you know? <laughs> so, um, for those of you who don't know, we this is a little um, ahead of us and where we are with the series, but actress Trini McGee, uh, who plays Angela on, in the series later on, who is our first real uh, person of color who is kind of co-starring in the show and she's also if i believe this is the first mainstream interracial relationship on a teen show uh angela and sean um well i mean that depends if you consider screech and lisa well at any point they weren't <laughs> I don't think stalking or like um yeah, I think that was that's just what it, it's like infatuation. But they were the first, I'll say, um confirmed or mutual couple. Um, I mean they were the first interracial couple for the show at the very least. I mean But they, even on primetime, it was a it was a really big deal. Um and you just didn't see things like interracial couples on television, uh, especially on primetime, especially in teen shows. At the As time. Each was saying, uh, we're not quite at this point in the in our podcast of to talk about Angela's appearance, but just as a quick disclaimer. Angela comes on as a love interest to Sean. She is with him for several seasons. And then before the series ends, she and her father, who is in the military, go to Europe. And Sean is left heartbroken. The season finale, the series finale is the next episode. He decides to go to New York with Corey and Topanga. And then in Girl Meets World, she resurfaces. They have a discussion about why they could never work. And then Sean goes on to marry Maya's mother. Correct. Question mark? Yes. So that is the entire story of Sean and Angela. So since that time, um, Trina McGee was interviewed and she mentioned, or I guess she really just wrote on Twitter. She said she was called Aunt Jemima. She said, called Aunt Jemima on set during hair and makeup called a bitter bitch when I quietly waited for my scene to finish rehearsing that was being effed up over and over due to episodes featuring my character told it was nice 
of you to join us like a stranger after 60 episodes. She said uh, in a later tweet, I did my job and I expect my due. At times, the tensions of the disrespect was extremely stressful. 25 years old at the time, raising a family and did not deserve to be thinking about this. None of those three colleagues had children, just cowardly egos and hot diarrhea mouths. Uh, She later went on to identify the three individuals who she said were doing these microaggressions or racist comments, and that was Will Friedle, Danielle Fischel, and Ben Savage. She thought it very important to point out that writer Strong, she never had any issues with. Uh, He was very supportive and um, above board, the way we would like to think. Well, something else that was made clear was that since these tweets have come out, um, and even, I believe, prior to the tweets coming out, she did get apologies from Will Friedle. Um, I believe she said she even got a three-page written note from him um, afterwards just about how uneducated he was and, you know, how his speech could be interpreted in ways that he didn't intend to just because of where he was in his own ignorance. And it, it, so it seems as though she, there's been a piece made there. I'm not sure, but that's just another part of the story I thought important to add in. And I also think it's important to note that she later uh, took back her comments and said that she was PMSing and that she shouldn't have been, um, that she didn't think it was as bad as it was coming off, um, and that she basically um, she basically just kind of recanted the the accusations shortly after. Uh, so it was a it was a real roller coaster of uh, emotions and gossip um but i wanted to talk about the whole thing because i had thoughts the moment i heard the story and then i had thoughts again after she recanted um so i what do you think tc where do you how do you feel about all this well i'll have to say as someone who knows the show pretty intimately and knows the dynamic between angela between the rest of the cast it always seemed like she was a little bit of an outsider there's an episode where um, Corey re- is confronted by Angela because she says, you know what, I was never, we were never friends. I was always friends with Topanga or Sean, and me and you never had any kind of relationship. And then they have like a bullshit friendship for one episode that ends up going away again. They get rid of her character, like I said, the episode before the series finale. So the series finale, when everyone's having these amazing send-offs with these like video montages of how their character's grown over the years, Angela's excluded from all of that because they kicked her off early. It just felt like someone who would get a thank you very much for coming on to our show after 60 episodes vibe. Yeah. I think I I completely agree. It's interesting because first I want to say, having done done our podcast and having rewatching this show, I was not surprised at all um, by her her accusations. I thought, based on what we've seen and kind of the culture and the jokes that are being made and what just seemed normal at the time, including the immaturity of the three actors, I was not surprised. Um, I thought it unfortunate to be true, and I thought it very uh, unf- like disturbing that she had to live with these things and kind of go through it on her own. But it made complete sense to me, knowing what we know and having wa- rewatched the series so far. 
Um, well, and, see, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she was the first black girl in Philadelphia. <laughs> like, it's going to be a hard struggle for her. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I did think that what she was saying from the beginning, like comments like Aunt Jemima and about her hair and all this other stuff, they seemed more like microaggressions and passive racism than like targeted racism. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. that, that was how I felt from the beginning. So to see her clarify and and start to call the microaggressions, I felt did add color to the situation. Yeah, because it wasn't this like grand reveal of like inner racism. It was just that like a bunch of privileged white kids in the early 90s made some jokes that they didn't really think through. And they probably rubbed her the wrong way. Uh, we've all been there but when we talk about it amongst us we get the levity of it when you're just reading it in tweets it doesn't get communicated so much well exactly i mean because again people immediately messaged me and they were like oh did you see this what do you think and i was like this this is not to dismiss her uh claims at all but it was very much like i feel that especially with stuff like the Aunt Jemima comment and all this other stuff, she has every right to feel targeted and isolated and made other during the situation. Um, but also this is the nineties when we're making gay jokes left and right. We're making trans jokes left and right. The nineties was a time for point at you humor. Like that was yes. really a thing that was happening with stand up comics too, where like half their set would be jokes and the other half would just be DL Hughley pointing at people in the audience and being like, look at how funny this person is because of yada, yada, yada. And that's just what, like what humor was for a strange portion of time before bullying became a thing. Yeah, and I think that I agree, and I'm glad that we are in the situation where people are more mindful now, but I just – A, I wasn't surprised, especially considering the age group that they were all dealing with. You know, uh, She was, in fact, older. Angela is played by an older actress than the rest of the cast, so it made sense to me that – at least the three stars who she targeted for saying these things would say such ignorant things at that age. That being said, to hear that the adults in the room uh, didn't really step up um, was really upsetting. Or give her her due for what she's contributed to the show. Exactly. I think it's very easy uh, and it's also very common for Black people uh black artists to be dismissed for the kind of groundbreaking work that they do um, because to other people, it's not seen as a big of a deal as it is. Well, and also if you've listened to our podcast a bit, we have pointed out there have been several times in which a person of a specific race is brought on specifically to pander or to represent a stereotype. And it feels as though this is confirmation of sorts that her character was always kind of thought of as a token. Yes. Ethnicity to, to fill in a slot. Like, we just we need a little diversity on this cast. Let's throw in Trini. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just it feels like that's been confirmed. Yeah, and I, do, I will say that not only is it a hard time in the 90s because we're dealing with race um, kind of... Uh, for the first time in a colorblind world on network television, um, so much so that like Friends doesn't even have any one of the main characters date a person of color until 
um, late into their seasons. Um, the idea, post 9/11. yeah, post nine eleven. Let's. It started in ninety four, and then it was like after nine eleven that they even had their main characters date a person of color. It's very easy for them to, or for me to see the writers consider themselves as trailblazers just for having a black actress and not really giving her her due or um, respecting her presence. It's interesting to hear uh, that she's had communications with Will Friedle because I feel like that's kind of an interesting portion of, of this, to know that at some point he, in his own journey of just being a white man, has realized that maybe in his own privilege he has slighted others. And he's had like an educational moment where he's like, you know what, I've kind of learned from that and learned that that maybe wasn't so cool. And, you know, I'm so sorry about how it came off. I mean, I don't know exactly what he said to her, but just for him to acknowledge his growth and his understanding of what's going on, I think it's pretty cool. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely. Also, I think I'm more forgiving because kind of have we've talked about before just with the show in general um it was made in a different time and that's not to excuse anyone but you and i who are people of color from the south we had a different way of thinking and expressing ourselves um not too long ago you know like this whole idea of microaggressions and standing up for your identity and not letting yourself be um kind or your own voice be squandered you know, is it's all of this is relatively new in culture. I would challenge any black person to name a job in which they didn't experience some sort of micro microaggression. Exactly. Like that's it's what I'm really saying. been the thing I've experienced in every point of my life in any career I've ever had. It's always been there. Yeah, and a lot of times you do just kind of have to take a deep breath and move forward. You know, but. Uh, the idea that in the 90s it was so bad to where it made her feel, you know, like remember it for years on end um, is different. But I just think that now we have the tools and the voice and the understanding as a nation to kind of address it in a way we would not have um, almost 30 years ago. Also, uh, in the articles that are floating around about this, they're including recent photos of her. She's 50 years old and black. Do not crack. She looks great. <laughs> what do you think about her blaming all of this on PMS and kind of like the um, backtracking of the accusations? What was your uh, thoughts? I think that that was a two steps forward, five steps back kind of situation. I don't know. Like I I I feel like to dismiss, dismiss anything as PMS is to dismiss like vocal women sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe she. I think what she was just meaning it to say was that maybe it came across stronger than what she meant it to to say, and um, that there was just a communication error there. But yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, there's better ways to say that. I think. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, that's something that. I thought was unfortunate. I really wish that she had either clarified it without mentioning PMS at all, or because um, it dismisses the whole thing. Like it, like whenever, like you hear a guy being like, "Oh yeah, you know how she is when she's on the rag." Just kind of dismiss, like you know, all right, just ignore her when she gets her head back to normal. She'll start thinking clearly. Like that's the concept of that whole, you know, PMS comments so like for her to throw it on comments that reflect 
real life microaggressions that were acknowledged by other people in the cast, it, it's not the same thing. Yeah, I agree. Like for for me, it was kind of like. Uh, as you said, with the five steps back, it was like not only harmful for her argument, which was, you know, uh, as a person of color in the industry and microaggressions, um, but then using PMS, it was also women in general. So it was, you know, it was just a way to really undermine both minority groups um, during a time when we are already being dismissed and um, fighting for being heard and um being being understood so sure. yeah i thought it was really unfortunate that she did that but i think it also shows that you know um people of color are also flawed and they also deserve forgiveness and time to um i don't know move forward be progressive i don't know i don't know how to what i'm trying to express yeah, yeah. no i agree i agree i agree it's it's a very interesting that we're having this conversation now because i feel like maybe this got more attention because we're in quarantine because we have nothing else to really focus on that the story got to i know like like you like i got a bunch of messages from people being like check this out and maybe you know us being bored as a as a people right now are we're contributing to this being a bigger deal than it is no i don't i mean that's part of it but i also feel like this would have been something anyway you have a actress from one of the most at least as far as we remember wholesome tv shows uh talking about racism and being you know being called things like aunt jemima i could definitely see this still being a new story during any other time i want to bring this i want to talk about this more later when angela's when we're when we are watching the angela episodes because as far as i know boy meets world doesn't approach racism at all with Angela. Like, they have every opportunity to. They have no interaction between Angela and Sean's dad. Like, she never has that interaction, which could have been a good one to introduce some racism in. There's none of that. They just, they're colorblind. We don't see race. Yeah. Their approach to her. And I just think that that's somehow even more toxic. Yeah. And it's actually really funny. I love that you said, I never thought about the fact that, as far as I know, uh, Angela never meets Chet, and I wonder if they did just avoid that. To you know, they were like, "We do not want to introduce this character." Um, is there anything else you want to? I just I thought it was fun that we address it and kind of get our opinions out. Um, this is separate, but I saw uh, the first IG live between Will Friedle and Jason Marsden, and it was highly disappointing because I don't think they understood the concept of IG live. People were <laughs> asking questions and they weren't answering any of the questions. They didn't talk about any of their old projects. They didn't really do anything but just talk about what they've been doing under quarantine. It seemed like a conversation they were having without realizing other people were watching it. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I think that um, I, I've seen that a lot with just like um, these... I don't know if you've seen these hip hop battles or whatever, but uh, a lot of people are learning technology. Are you talking for the first about time. fucking Teddy Riley and Babyface? Yeah, that's <laughs> my life right now. <laughs> so yeah, it seemed like a lot of people were uh, learning new technology for the first time, and we're going to get a lot more of that. Sure, sure. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this little excerpt. Um, you can check out our next episode right after this. Later, bros. Later, bros.